0: This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 44. Have you ever made mistakes in your furniture refinishing process that turned out to be happy mistakes? Well, today we chat with the winners of the October Zebra Review, and they will share the details of their winning pieces and discuss mishaps and mistakes in furniture refinishing. Heather with the Cozy Sunroom shares a refinishing tip, and we'll find out what Mary with NYC Farmhouse Restorations, Connie with Faf Designs, and Christina with Mom's Furniture NJ are working on in their studios this week. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. October, the month of fall leaves, and that big transition into the holidays also highlights a very important health focus, breast cancer awareness. Zebra, along with our judges, decided to make pink the theme in memory of those who have suffered from breast cancer and in honor of those who beat this terrible disease. And let's not forget the overarching goal to see this disease shelved in the annals of history. Now let's dive into our conversation with the winners. Well, today we get to highlight the winners of the October Zebra Review, three incredibly talented refinishers. Molly with Vintage Grace Design winning first, Jen with Green Spruce Designs taking second, and Chloe with Macy's House snatching third. Congratulations, winners. Well done.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank
3: you.
0: (laughs) So listen, is everybody immersed in the holidays these days?
3: Oh, yeah. We we just got our tree and... We're waiting for the snow. It was 70 degrees here yesterday, but it's 30 today. So hopefully we'll get a little bit of flurries soon.
0: Wow, that's oh, a that's big nice. swing.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy.
0: What about you guys, Chloe and Molly? How are you guys doing with the holidays?
4: Yeah, same here. We've We've just put the tree up. Um, it's got a little bit more um, tinsel on it than anticipated because I let the girls (laughs) do it with me (laughs) (laughs) but it looks fun and we're feeling festive it's very cold outside actually here so and stormy so it's nice to be indoors
0: yeah for sure what about you Molly
4: yeah I'm in North Carolina so
2: the weather is a little little warm I don't think we'll be seeing any snow for Christmas we don't typically um, but I'm all decorated for Christmas and in the festive spirit. Um, I'm from Buffalo, so I've had enough share of snow in my life and I don't, I don't miss it. So I'm good with that. that.
0: (laughs) Your snow bank is full, isn't it?
2: Yes, it really is. And that's a great pun.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? We are at the halfway point in December. So Christmas is literally around the corner. I mean, it's weird. It's almost like once October gets here, it's like the speed dial on the calendar is in fast mode do you guys agree
3: oh yeah oh yeah, yeah.
4: The it, holidays make it fly. disappears yeah yeah um, i'm feeling that already the dates disappear they all fill up don't they and uh, you run out of time
0: <laughs> right right exactly well i want to check in with each of you and find out where you're calling from and of course we'll touch on weather which we already have which is always a lot of fun for me chloe let's start with you you live in the uk tell us what part and where it's at in relation to london
4: mm-hmm. Yeah so I'm here in the UK I'm in Leicestershire which is right in the middle of the country so I'm not near the coast but I'm not too far from the coast um because everywhere's fairly close to the coast in the UK isn't it I guess if you think about it (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah I live I kind of live on the outskirts of a village so I live in the countryside but we've got um We've got stormy weather today. So we've got, I think it's Storm Barra, actually. It's called the latest storm we've got here. So I've just got caught in the school run and um, I got kind of, I've soaked. I was absolutely soaked um, through to my trainers today, collecting the kids from school. So yeah, that was great.
0: (laughs) Oh, soaked in the cold weather. That's that's kind of miserable, isn't it?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I had to run home and get my slippers on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Do you guys travel to London often?
4: Um, so not too often but I'm actually not too far from London I am about an hour and a half's drive I'd say um, oh. to two hours depending on you know where, which part you go to Um, but yeah the train it's about an hour so really close to London
5: oh,
4: um, nice. yeah I haven't been for a while because of lockdown you know Um, but hoping to get back there again soon
0: yeah, I wonder if London is like New York City, you know, where so many people, at least here in the United States, will travel to New York City to, court, to sort of just jump into the holidays because there's so many lights and it's so festive and um, yeah do you hear people talking about that about you know going to London for the same thing Yeah
4: definitely we have been at Christmas time before and I've taken the kids we've taken them around the toy shops you know and, and seen all the lights seen uh, Buckingham Palace and yes yeah, it's, it's beautiful at this time of the year busy as well
0: <laughs> Yeah for sure Well I always love to throw curveball questions periodically not to trip anybody up but just to get to know our guests a little bit better and have fun Chloe here's your question if you had to pick another place to live outside of the UK, where would it be?
4: Wow, outside of the UK. Okay, I think I know the answer to this because I have um, family. So my sister-in-law lives is from Seville um, and is from Spain. And I just love it there. I love the... The atmosphere and it just feels like such a happy kind of energy and just relax and chilled out. So yeah, I think somewhere in Spain for sure, maybe Seville actually. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, nice, nice,
0: very good choice, very good choice.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Jen, you live in Virginia. Put it in context to maybe larger city, so we can know where you are on the map.
3: So I'm in Northern Virginia. We're about 15 minutes from Washington DC. Um, so right outside suburb of DC.
0: Sort of a chaotic city at times, isn't it? Oh <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, yeah, <laughs> lots going yeah, on. Yeah, but
0: fun place to go to. Uh, do you guys go to DC often?
3: We haven't been in for a couple of years um, since the pandemic, but we used to we used to go in and see all the monuments and everything.
0: Yeah, that's that's neat. So. What kind of weather are you having right now? You mentioned 70s. Well, it
3: was 70 yesterday, and we are supposed to get our first snow of the season tomorrow. So we'll see about that.
0: You bring North Carolinians, hope, because if you were in the <laughs> 70s and you're expecting snow, yeah. well, maybe we've got snow possibly too.
3: <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. It's supposed to snow tomorrow, so my kids are hoping they have off school. Um, so we'll see. They'll probably put their pajamas on backwards and do the ice dance and everything. But, um <laughs> So, but Northern Virginia is nice. It's, um, it's poor seasons. So, you know, that's really nice. And, um, it's nice to be right outside of a city if we do want to go in.
0: Yeah. Virginia is such a beautiful state. I mean, it's just, it's so lovely there and there's so much to offer from, you know, uh, just North of us, you know, North Carolina, um, all the way to the coast. Cause there's just so many beautiful, uh, houses and places and the coast It's just, uh, so you've got lots of choices.
3: Yeah, it's it's nice. We really enjoy it.
0: So, Jen, you ready for your curveball question? Okay. <laughs> not really that bad. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be?
3: Oh, gosh. Um, I have not yet been to Australia, so that is on my bucket list.
0: Mm. Yeah, Australia is beautiful, too. I've never been, but I've heard so much about it.
3: Yes, yeah, I would love to go. Someday.
0: Well, hopefully, hopefully soon. <laughs> uh, so you'll be able to pop over there and go see the land down under. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So Molly, you are our neighbor. You live in North Carolina. Uh, so what part of North Carolina?
2: Yes, I am in the suburbs of Raleigh. So a couple hours from Charlotte and a couple hours from the coast.
0: Right. So, but you don't have that really strong Southern draw. So you're not born in North Carolina, right?
2: No, I am from Buffalo, New York. So the coldest, snowiest place in the world, I think.
0: (laughs) Yes, I think many people would agree with that. You're probably glad to be in North Carolina these days.
2: Yes, very glad. We, we moved down here about three years ago, and it is the perfect climate for me. It's like oh, three seasons. We just skip winter, so it's perfect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you're part of the Carolina Collective. It's a group of North Carolina furniture finishers, and you guys raised money in October to support a local charity. If you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about it.
2: That's right. I am part of the Carolina Furniture Collective. There's six local refinishers here in the Raleigh-Durham area. And we, in October, decided to do a little breast cancer awareness month campaign. Um, It was actually Jess from Oak and Grain Restoration. It was kind of her idea that snowballed into something a little bit bigger. Chantel from Rusted Rose, she's actually a breast cancer survivor. So Chantel was diagnosed with breast cancer three years ago and she went through several surgeries. So it's kind of why the campaign was near and dear to our hearts as the collective. She's a close friend of ours. And that is why we thought it would be a great idea to start a few of us painting some pieces in pink. And that's how mine ended up uh, as part of the zebra review for that month. And we actually banded together with you guys as well as Melange paints to um, help donate towards our cause, which was is, which is a local North Carolina um, charity called Hope for Hair, and we and my piece actually I, I painted in Rusted Rose from Melange, which is a color that Chantel from Rusted Rose curated oh, cool. with them. So it was a kind of like a few different things that kind of added up for that month um, for a really cool pause and and I was really surprised to have won the collective or to the the review. I think it was um it was really cool just because it was it was very meaningful to all of us. So mm-hmm. um that's kind of what we did for the month of October, and we ended up donating twenty five hundred dollars to Hope for Hair. So it was a really successful campaign.
0: Yeah, well, it was was a blessing to be a part of it with you guys. We really appreciated you guys reaching out and allowing us to partner with you. It was a a tremendous cause and continued prayers for Chantel that her recovery is um, positive and, and good and she never sees or hears about breast cancer again, not in her life. Well, Molly, here is your curveball question. I'm going to jump back to Chloe's question and ask you, uh, where would you live now? My, hers, yours is a little bit different than hers. I'm going to ask you, where would you live? Uh, in the United States, outside of North Carolina. So you can't go anywhere outside of the United States. But
2: tell us what state <laughs> you would
0: live in other than North Carolina.
2: I feel like that's so unfair. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I I really enjoy North Carolina. It's the perfect climate. So hmm. I would have to say. I'm a big warmth person. So if I had to pick somewhere else, it'd probably be Southern California. Um, I'm big on the climate, but I would prefer to stay East Coast. But if I'm forced to pick somewhere else, I'm going to go with California.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, you know what? You were probably thinking about a place outside of the United States, weren't you? Yes, I was. (laughs) Sorry. See, that's why I changed it up a little bit. I want to be fair to everybody. (laughs) Make it a little bit of fun. Well, I love these types of questions. I hope you guys do it as well. Listeners, stay tuned because after we discuss their pieces, we're going to have a panel discussion on happy accidents. Also, you can see the pieces we're discussing by going to our Enjoy Zebra site, enjoyzebra.com and scroll to the bottom and click on podcast. Well, Molly, he won first place as uh, we just talked about and uh you refinished an antique dresser and mirror. Um tell us a, a little bit more about this piece and the process you went through to achieve this winning result.
2: So I was specifically looking for a piece that I could paint in this color rusted rose for our campaign and for the zebra review. So when I saw this piece on Marketplace, it's a four drawer antique oak dresser with a mirror. Um really beautiful wood grain. It was pretty pretty yellow at the time though. I feel like that's kind of standard of those vintage oak pieces. Um when I saw it on Marketplace it was exactly what I was looking for. I could envision it in this rusted rose color perfectly. And that was why I picked it up. It has the most beautiful antique hardware. Um, so I refinished it in kind of like that. It's like a dusty rose color. Mm -hmm. Um, and I refinished the top to, so I sanded it down, refinished it to kind of restore that beautiful Oak grain to the top. And I, it has like this carved detail on the mirror and a few parts on the dresser. Um, it ended up sold to a, um, an expecting mother. So it's going into a nursery, which I love. They're actually Mm -hmm. going to be using the dresser as a changing table. And then later when they don't need it as a changing table, putting the mirror back on it to use as a dresser. So I thought that was really cool. And I love, I don't know, I just feel like that's, that's more special than, than just a a regular bedroom. So I love that it's going to a nursery. It was very exciting.
5: How
0: fun. Now uh, tell us what the hardest part of refinishing this piece was
2: uh probably the detail i feel like when when you do pieces with mirrors and i i really like to redo vanities so i've done quite a few mirrors and then when you add on the carved detail to it that's usually the most difficult part is just all that detail being able to prep it and sand it well enough to make sure that the paint adheres um having to cover up the mirror part so that was probably the hardest part um Along with the finish, it was a pretty stubborn old, like yellow, like I said, yellowy oak mm-hmm. finish. So having to sand, like strip sand the top of it um, definitely took longer than I would have liked. Uh, but those are, those are probably the two most challenging parts to that piece specifically.
0: Now How many coats of the Melange paint did you use?
2: Two coats. That, that paint has excellent coverage. It was really, really nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's actually why I asked that because it uh, it does a really good job. So uh, that's pretty good. Two coats. Now um, you may have said this, maybe I missed this, but top coats. What did you use for top coat?
2: I ended up using a matte varathane poly water based polyurethane because I liked the, the I like the matte look of their art, artisanal line artisanal mm-hmm. line. I guess um, that it's kind of like that chalky like matte finish, Um, but it doesn't have a top coat built in. So I wanted to seal it, but still keep that finish. So I ended up sealing it with a matte polyurethane.
0: And how many coats of that?
2: I do three coats of poly.
0: Oh, So that's your standard is always doing three coats? Yes. Oh, cool. So Molly, describe your style for us.
2: My style? Ooh, um, (laughs) I think I gravitate towards... Well, I was going to say cleaner pieces because I don't really do much distressing anymore, but I still love a good chippy piece. So if I'm going to go with something that's a little more like farmhouse rustic, I'll use milk paint for that look. Mm-hmm. But I most of my pieces, I really kind of focus on solid color, no distressing, more clean. But I do love trying... Like, like I like all different styles of furniture so I I don't stick to just one like I like to do mid century I like to do antique um all different types of furniture you know buffets dressers vanities um I don't know if I have like a specific just one thing or style that I like
0: Yeah. Yeah you said mid century have you found it hard to to locate mid century pieces at a reasonable price here in North Carolina?
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 1000%. It is <laughs> It is crazy. They yeah. are very, very expensive. So when you can come across one that is reasonable and also in a condition that warrants being refinished or painted, um, it's not very common for sure.
0: Yeah. No. I uh, periodically while I will I will go through Facebook Marketplace just to see what's available, and every time I come across an MCM, which is not that often, I'm like, my word! Is there money bags in that uh, inside that piece? <laughs> it's so expensive. Well, really beautiful design choice and refinishing Molly. Congratulations on winning first. Share your Instagram account or any social media platforms that you have that you'd like our listeners to check out.
2: Yeah. My Instagram handle is at vintage grace design.
0: Jen, you won second place. You refinished a really unique buffet. I thought it was really, really cool design. Very nice. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah, Um so I like to paint a piece pink every October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I've been doing that for the last few years, and um, I donate a percentage of the proceeds to breast cancer research. Mm. Um, my mother-in-law is a breast cancer survivor, so it's a cause close to our heart. So I was really excited that Zebra had this pink contest in honor of breast cancer awareness um, so I could submit my entry. Um so I have a storage unit um with some unfinished furniture in it. So I just went into my stash to look for a piece that um would would look nice and pink maybe. So this is a uh petite, antique, kind of Jacobian style buffet with uh turned legs and mm-hmm. it has some feminine carvings and um, delicate original hardware. So it just kind of was screaming at me to paint it pink, which my furniture does often. It screams at me (laughs) to do it a certain style or color. So I just thought this was the perfect piece. So I custom mixed a uh, a pink. It's mostly a Scandinavian pink, um, Annie sloan chalk paint, Mm -hmm. but I mixed a couple other colors in there to get, the color that i wanted so it's kind of a salmon pink and then i did a white wash over it to kind of fade it out a little bit and then i did some wet distressing um instead of sanding i just used a a wet like microfiber cloth and wiped back Mm -hmm. the paint on the high points and where it might naturally wear because i wanted kind of that shabby chic look
5: Mm -hmm.
3: and then for the top Uh, To go with that shabby chic look, I wanted to do a faux faux, uh, marble paint technique because it was just like a solid wood brown buffet. Um, So I went on YouTube and I followed this Amy Howard faux marble painting technique, and it was my first time doing it. Um, So I I mixed up some gray paint and I used a sea sponge uh, for the stone look. She calls it uh, a scumble. And then I used turkey feathers for the veining. And this was the first time I was doing this. I didn't use a sample board. I just did it right on the top of the piece. And I redid it about four or five times and just kind of improved each time and just learned from my mistakes and what might look better. And then if I didn't like it, I just put like a wash of white over it and it really Kind of turned out even better that way because it looked, you you saw the depth of, mm-hmm. of that veining underneath, kind of like actual stone looks. So, um, by my fourth or fifth time, I, I settled for it and I, I liked the outcome. Um, and it was much improved from the first try. So that's, that was kind of a little happy accident there. Yeah. So oh. I, I just really liked how the marble top um, or the faux marble top looked with the, the kind of shabby pink and kind of giving it this shabby chic or boho chic look.
0: Yeah, boy, you're you're brave, aren't you? I mean, to uh, not do it on a sample board, but to play with it on that.
3: I have no patience for sample boards. I just go <laughs> for it, and I've done redone things over and over several times. But, I mean, it would probably be easier to just do it in a smaller scale, but... <laughs> I just go right at it.
0: No, I mean, that's great. That's good to to, to be like that, uh, I mean, especially <laughs> if that's what you're comfortable doing. Now, when you were talking about the wet distressing, uh, when you're doing the wet distressing, are you constantly like wiping and then stepping back? And then like, what's that like on your on your perspective?
3: Um yeah kind of um just kind of wiping on the high points the the trim and the ridges where it would probably distress over time anyway. Um yeah and I then I kind of step out a little and see if it needs more or if it needs less I can paint back over it and just play with it so it looks more authentically aged and distressed. Yeah. yeah. Um I don't do sanding very much anymore cuz it's just messy and um I I like the wet distressing because it just is, it's easier, it's cleaner and kind of looks a little bit more authentic sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It turned out really nice. And even the color, uh, you know, you said you mixed this color. um, I think you said. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's such a cool color because I would imagine it's something that could work in a lot of different places, depending on who buys it. Have you sold it yet?
3: I haven't. Uh, the pink, pink buffets will probably take a little longer than my <laughs> my other yeah, colors.
0: Sure. Anytime you step outside into yeah. a color like that, you have to be patient for the, for uh, the, it to sell. But there is somebody out there; they just need to see it, who will right. love it and want it for sure. Right. And uh, it's an award-winning buffet. You got to make sure they know that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: right. I should put that in the listing.
0: What was the hardest part of refinishing this piece for you?
3: Oh, just the the new technique of the marble top um Mm -hmm. just kind of redoing it like the first time it was maybe too the gray was too dark and it was overbearing and then uh, I think the second time like I didn't do the lines diagonal enough so it didn't look like like marble it was more like a zebra and
0: (laughs) hey that's okay (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) that's all right um and just kind of um just figuring it out as I went um, which a lot of times in the past I would be you know scared to try new things but really it's it's paint and I've come to learn that and you can yeah. just play around and paint over it and then sometimes you get some more depth uh, layering it like that. I actually enjoy the redoing process and and just learning by trial and error because that's how I improve my skills
0: yeah. That's such a good phrase, and it? it's just paint. I mean, that it's neat because it sort of takes the edge off of the stress, and right, uh, and it just allows you to be more free flowing with creativity and not have that like stress hanging over your head. It's not going to turn out right. It's not going to turn out right. <laughs> right. Uh, Jen, describe your style for us.
3: I don't have a specific style either. I really, I'm drawn to certain pieces, and and the color and style is kind of um, the the pieces kind of speak to me and tell me what they want to be i do like bohemian shabby chic a few modern um, some milk painted chippy antique Um, i kind of do the gamut and it's really based on the pieces i find Mm -hmm. Um, i hunt for all the pieces myself so I'm, i'm drawn to you know lots of different styles and and that style kind of dictates the color and the um the technique i use
0: yeah Oh, very cool. Well, this piece is really unique in structure and in design. Nice work, and congratulations. Share your social media platforms that you'd like our listeners to know about.
3: I'm at Greens Designs on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and TikTok.
0: Chloe, you won third place. You always throw so much creativity to every piece you uh, refinish. I mean, it's crazy. You refinished a mid-century piece, and you had a lot involved in the process. Tell us about it.
4: Yeah, um, this piece is one of my favourites, actually. I've done a few, and I don't usually say that, but it's one of my, you know, one of the ones that come from your heart and soul. You know, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed painting it. Um, hopefully that shows. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there's a, yeah, it's, there's quite a lot of colour in there. Um, It's a mid-century piece this time, because I like when I get a mid-century piece, and particularly this one was damaged, so it had a veneer on the front, and it had been left outside, I think, which is terrible. Mm. Um. But like you were saying before, it's so hard to get mid-century pieces these days. It's actually a good way of getting them if you're prepared to do the work they need. Mm-hmm. And then also you don't feel bad painting over it because it was, you know, the the, yeah. the really nice ones you don't really want to paint on. So, um, yeah, so first I had to remove all the veneer before I started painting. Um, and then I had a blank canvas really that's how I see it because I think mid-century has these really nice straight lines and it's like a frame so Mm -hmm. um I saw it as like a frame for a picture in the middle um so yeah I did uh, I stuck with monochrome colors on the outside so um I had like a white eggshell and then uh black black legs to highlight them, sanded it all down and primed and painted with this particular paint I was using um, because I wanted a bit of a glossier kind of mm-hmm. finish because I think it just matches the mid-century kind of feel. Um, and then I left like a frame around the outside of, of natural wood um, and also on the top of the drawers. So it's got these lines of natural wood in it as well, just to keep a bit of character. And then the, The fun part was the the picture um, in the middle, which is an abstract painting, Mm -hmm. really. I like to think of it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's more, it was more a fun one. It didn't really have too much of a, um, it wasn't really based on anything. I just knew I wanted to play around with particular colours. I wanted to blend them, see how they would work. Um, And, you know, like we were saying earlier about um, mistakes and, you know, making mistakes you know, layering and seeing what happens. So, yeah, you've got lots of pinks, blues, neon paint in there, um, lots of layers.
0: Yeah. And when you sit down or 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 kneel next to it, however you're doing this, (laughs) do you like is this like a one step process or do you like paint, let it dry, then you come back and do do a little more to it? What's that look like?
4: Yeah, definitely. I contemplate things a lot. So at first I knew. I wanted this monochrome frame. So I did all, did all the restoration first and sanded it and did all of the flat colour first. And then it was the more creative part in the middle. And for that, yeah, I, I will paint a bit, let it dry and come back to it. Otherwise, I can, I can overwork it sometimes. So, yeah, sometimes just take a little step back and have a look before I start again. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you got to throw a little patience into the process. Yeah, don't you?
4: definitely. And I think you get different effects when you let it dry. So sometimes you mm-hmm. want it to be wet and you want to work into the paint when it's wet. But other times it's nice when it's dried and you can create different effects and layers.
0: You know, Chloe, you said something in your post that I really like. You said, I'm all for gallery walls, but isn't it just great when artwork can also have a function? Yeah. And that, that is so good. <laughs> you know, we've always thought to reiterate that what refinishers do is creating one-of-a-kind of art that happens to be furniture pieces for your home. So it's just a cool thing. Yeah, I, completely. Yeah, all of your pieces, it's like you just almost want to just lift them up, hang, on, hang them on the wall.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think as well that also comes from, I think, sometimes. I live in a smaller place, you know, um and you think i haven 't got room for all of these canvases on the walls, so i 'm going to have to paint it on furniture, you know
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly It has a
4: double use, you know
0: <laughs> right right, so what was the hardest part of refinishing this piece?
4: Um, the hardest part was definitely the um the image in the middle because it was lots of layers, mm-hmm. lots of hours of work. And I think you never really know where you're going when you do work like that. So you just have to go with the process. And sometimes it can just work and it can take, you know, a day or a couple of days. And other times it can take weeks. Um, So, yeah, it's the not knowing, you know, with that kind of thing. It's it's all by chance in a way as to Mm -hmm. whether the colours look nice together and whether they blend how you want them to, you know. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Well, you describe your style for us.
4: Oh well, I think it's definitely got to be eclectic, and I think fun as well. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> there is just always an element of joy. I think in um, each piece, you know, I just really enjoy what I do, and I just, um, I just love the I- the idea that we can our homes can have a personality. You know.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, well, your pieces are definitely happy. That definitely, <laughs> <Yeah. comes out. laughs> definitely. Well, we love all the elements that you brought into this piece. Nice work and congratulations.
4: Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Share your social media platforms for our listeners.
4: Yeah, so I'm on most of them actually. Um, Instagram at Mazer's House. I'm on TikTok as well now. Um, and yeah, Facebook, all of them. But find me at Mazer's House.
0: We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor.
2: Hey, y'all, it's Christy with Chalk It Up, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends over at Zebra. I have tried all of Zebra's brushes and love them all, and just recently got their top coat brush, and I absolutely love it. Um, Sealant can be tricky to apply, and it can really be stressful, and this brush is perfect for sealant application the bristles are silky smooth and it's just the right thickness it's not too thick Um, you don't want your your top coat brush to be too thick or you'll just get too much um, top coat
4: on the piece so um, I give it two thumbs up
0: It's time for our zebra panel discussion. Well, today's topic is quite intriguing and we'll have everyone sitting on the edge of their seats because our topic is happy accidents. Yes, that's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> but we love it. No one wants to have an accident or a mishap because they tend to be frustrating on many levels and it's just not what we want. However, when you have an accident or mishap and it turns out to drive you into a new direction or just become something that you didn't expect and it turns out to be better, And what you'd originally planned, well, that's a good thing. So therefore, we call it a happy accident. Well, panelists, we are eager to hear about your accidents. Uh, Let me clarify. Your happy ones. I don't know. Maybe they'll take a pathway into the sad ones, too. (laughs) Take it away, panel.
4: Oh, wow. Um, I think it is important to talk about accidents as a furniture finisher. I mean, I'd find it hard to believe if we didn't all have them, you know, <laughs> I definitely have them. Um, and sometimes, like you say, they're not so happy. Um <laughs> Uh, I think I've actually had um sometimes I do some filming, and I actually had an accident with some glass um need I say more, but literally the night Ooh. before filming yeah so i i you know when you've i' finished i'd paint hand painted all of this piece and i'd um spent hours on it hand painted all the fabric and it had like a glass top on this bedside cabinet, and you know when you just place it on top, and I just tipped up the cabinet thinking. You know, I just check that that's painted into there and it just slips off the top and smashed Mm. all over my kitchen floor. So (laughs) that was a not-so-happy accident. (sighs) Mm. (laughs) But there are some happy ones. (laughs) I do have happy ones sometimes. Um, I think that's just part and parcel of all of the furniture projects, really, Um, because for me, I always feel like I'm on a journey um, with all of them and I never really know... Completely, how it's going to turn out at the beginning. So, you know, I can start painting flowers, and it might go completely wrong. But then that's another layer, and it's it's more depth, and it and it makes the final piece better. So, yeah, I just think generally it's a journey, and I'm making accidents daily. You know, but there, but I learn from them. So, yeah. <laughs> I actually embrace. Um,
3: mistakes and accidents. Now I've learned to embrace them because I know that that's what helps me to learn and develop new skills where I used to get frustrated. Um, if I made a mistake and, oh, that's such a waste of pain or a waste of time. And, and I've learned over time from making so many mistakes or trying new, uh, techniques that, um, I really embrace that, that, it's, it's not a waste of time. It's, you know, that those mistakes are priceless um, because you just learn so much from it. Um, this year, I've really been kind of diving into decoupage, which was a first for me. And um, so my first decoupage um, on furniture was on a buffet with some trim. And I laid the decoupage down and I'm gluing it. And then I'm trying to go over the trim. And it's just a huge mess with wrinkles and bubbles. And I stepped back and it was awful. And so I tried to peel it off and it was just (laughs) stuck. (laughs) And so it actually took me like a whole day to scrape all that off. And dequipage paper, it's, it's not inexpensive so you know i had to talk myself down you know this is a great experience i'm going to learn from this and um so i tried a new technique and another piece with the decoupage where it's an iron method where you you iron it on and it's not supposed to have any bubbles or wrinkles and It was just full of bubbles, but then I, I talked myself down and I said, what happened here? And, you know, I put a shellac base on, which is oil base. And then I painted with water base over that. And then I ironed the decoupage paper. So what I suspect in my trial and error is that the, the paint actually bubbled up from the oil based paint or oil based shellac Mm -hmm. underneath. So that was a good learning experience. So then I tried again now i now I know both techniques the wrinkle technique don 't go over trim, just do it on a flat surface. The iron technique i I think I figured that out so now I placed my drawers on the ground level they 're all flat i 'm so excited to get to this because now i i 've made every mistake and i I know what i 'm doing. so I put the decoupage paper down and I mean, it was perfect. I was so excited. I go to put the drawers in, and they're upside down. (laughs) They're all upside down. So my image is upside down. So I had learned that it takes a whole day to scrape this off. So I'm not going to do that, right? So I just mixed up some paint with some texture medium stippled that all over to disguise that I even ever had a decoupage <laughs> image on the piece, painted it all. It has all this nice texture and it, it really turned out beautiful. And I think the piece really like was just like pushing me to do that Um because I, I love that in the end. So, but through all my mistakes and talking myself through and knowing that I'm learning from this, this trial and error is just going to, improve my skills as a furniture refinisher I just I, I wasn't frustrated and I wasn't oh I'm, I'm wasting so much time and product and I, I I know these things now because I've made so many mistakes so I just embrace that process now and since then I've done several successful decoupage pieces and I actually am like addicted to it now I love it so um but none of that would have happened had I not gone through all those trials mm-hmm. and errors and learned so much from it
0: man Jen, did you when you sold it did you tell them it had hidden features in it <laughs>
3: <laughs> i did not but cool. <laughs> you know it gives some depth to it <laughs>
0: yeah and you probably had to charge 10 times its normal price because of. It.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so if they do ever in the future want to refinish it and you know, strip the paint off, they'll have a beautiful upside down dick image. (laughs) Like
0: a hidden treasure, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Molly, you got some happy accidents?
2: I don't know if I'd call them happy. Um, I feel like they're beneficial in that you definitely learn from them for sure. So every time you use a product that doesn't work out, very well for you. You know, you learn what you do like and what you don't. And I think that's part of the reason maybe we don't hear as much about other people's failures. At least I don't share a lot about mine on social media is twofold. One, sometimes it's due to the products I'm using and I don't want to say anything bad about a brand or a product. And I'd prefer to just promote ones that do do work out well for me um and then the other is I find that when you share sometimes when you share struggles in when you even when you don't ask for it you get a lot of feedback and a lot of maybe unsolicited advice or this is what you should have done and And I while I do appreciate advice when I'm seeking it out, I find it to be a little frustrating when people reach out to you with a lot of feedback. Um, So I think that's probably why people don't share as much about failures or challenges that they come across. Um, I like to share problem solving like when I do am able to figure a solution out. I love to share that in case other people are coming you know, up against the same challenge or issue where they've come across that or to help them in the future. Um, I'd say that some of my re- recent lessons learned have been more around my business practices, more so than refinishing in just taking on custom work that using brands or products that I haven't used before at request of clients. And I think I've learned some lessons there about not doing that because if you don't have experience with the product and it's a custom, it's like the biggest nightmare for me, at least. It's, it's like a panic mm-hmm. inducing situation. Um, and I don't know if, if anyone else has that those situations, if you guys do custom work, too. But um, I definitely have learned that there are products that I will work with and I'm comfortable with that I would I will do for customs. And outside of that, I don't know that I would want to be trying something brand new for a piece that
4: yeah definitely yeah (laughs) it's it's a little scary yeah I think that with styles as well styles of painting you know you always want to do um custom things in your style don't you I find and I've made the mistake before where somebody's asked me that's not to do a design that's that's not really my personality and really struggled with it and just not made any profit at all and just you know Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of wheel it outside onto the front really and never see it again <laughs> <laughs> that's how i feel right now too <laughs>
2: uh, Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i feel like they're good lessons learned you know like we're growing and learning and, and that's so they're beneficial mistakes or failures i wouldn't know if i would call them happy though <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think that's interesting what Molly said. Um, I don't do customs. So I feel like I have a little bit more freedom to make mistakes and learn from them. I would feel like it's probably more challenging if you are doing custom work.
2: I only allow customs for certain pieces of mine out of my own inventory. Like I don't take client owned custom pieces for reasons, you know, it's hard to determine the amount of work that's needed for a piece when someone sends you photos, you know? So I, I it's hard to right. price those types of customs. And plus I have enough of my own inventory and limited space. So I really focus on those and I allow, allow certain pieces to be customized, <clears throat> but it's still, there's just that added pressure of like commitment time frame you might've given in this case, with like a client wanting a color or a brand that I've never used. And that it it is definitely a turnoff from doing custom work for sure. And and it does limit your, your creativity when they're choosing what colors or how they want it to look. And I definitely much prefer um, refinishing pieces in my own, my own envision, the way I envision them. And uh, of course you then have to sell them, which is the downside. Uh, you know, you don't want to have to get on Facebook Marketplace to sell those pieces versus the custom where you do have that you know, the sale is already confirmed. So that's great. But I, this is more like a passion to me. So I'm very, I do take limited customs. And I think moving forward, I've learned things about just like the own policies and my business practices that I'll implement moving forward. So I, I think that's kind of what I've learned from my most recent situation.
4: Yeah, I, I'm definitely the same with customs. I've made that mistake so many times. And I think it's like you say, it's the creativity that's missing. You know, if somebody asked me to paint something just flat black or flat white. It's, you know, you kind of think, oh, that's not really me. and it, And it takes so long and it just takes time out of you growing and developing. So I think for me, I avoid them because it's not really a chance for me to make mistakes and to grow. So I like to just be free and to just get the colours out and um see where the day takes me really. That's that's exactly why I don't do customs also. Yeah, it's funny. funny actually you say about the um it is hard, they are a bit harder to sell aren't they? Um the more colourful pieces and the the ones that are a little bit more creative. But I did sell the piece we were talking about, um the abstract mid-century piece, um mm. for the Zebra review. I sold it today and I'm talking to you guys today. Oh, wow. So congratulations. Oh
2: Congratulations.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh,
4: congratulations. Well, I just sold it earlier, so <laughs> so I'm very pleased about that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, they all eventually sell, I think. And um, you just have to be a little bit more patient when they're bolder colors or, you know.
4: Yeah, I think so. You just have to keep your fingers crossed. So you think if I love it, there'll be the one person out there that's going to love it too. You just have to wait for them. Yes.
0: It sounds like that a lot of when we talk about accidents or mistakes or mishaps, it sounds like most of them occur when you're doing a type of a technique. Would you guys agree with that?
3: I think so. I just actually did one, um, a piece where just this month I painted it blue and it was very like, um, beachy and I just wasn't feeling it cause I think cause it's December. So I just continued on and, you know, did away with my vision of it and painted it red and then distressed it. And so I have these, it's a, a red piece. And then I have these bits of duck egg blue peeking through. And and so it's more, I kind of styled it in a holiday theme. And I just, I love it. I love the little bits of blue peeking through the red. And it just kind of went more with how I'm feeling these days, the, the festivities of the holidays. And um, so that was kind of a happy accident. Um, I just kind of keep working with, with the piece until until I'm feeling
0: it. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of going with your gut. And then, I mean, making sure that, um, like you just mentioned that you're comfortable with it. Uh, and that's, um, that's, that's really understanding your style, what you like, and then really kind of knowing what's going to sell too. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a really good panel discussion and one in which I know will encourage and inspire many. Uh, I mean, we don't like to hear about others' mistakes, but when we can, as they say, make lemon out of lemonade, well, then that's a great thing and worth noting. <laughs> Congratulations, Molly, Jen, and Chloe. You all are phenomenal refinishers and are a value to this community.
4: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It's been lovely.
0: Well, enjoy the rest of your refinishing day and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays.
4: Thank you. You too. Oh, you too.
0: Today's refinishing tip comes from Heather with the Cozy Sunroom.
1: Hi, it's Heather with the Cozy Sunroom. Today I will be sharing a furniture refinishing tip that keeps me organized. This process I've been doing probably for a couple years and I find that it's really helpful. What I do is I have a notebook, probably one every year, that I keep track of all the pieces that I refinish. So on one side of the page, I jot down the piece, whether I found it on the curb, uh, purchased it on Marketplace, or it's a custom, anything like that. I write down where I found it, what it is, obviously, and the price I paid for it. I also think about any initial thoughts I have on the piece, sometimes you know right away, oh my gosh, I want to do this or I want to do that. So I'll jot those notes down because a lot of times I get a piece and it may be several months, maybe years, (laughs) before I refinish it. Then on the other side of the paper, once I actually do start refinishing it, I will put down any paint colors, any stain colors, primers, any products that I use or any special techniques, washes, stains, all that good stuff. I'll put that down on the other side so that I always know what I did to a piece. Because as we know, after several months and working on many, many pieces, you're likely to not remember, at least I'm not gonna remember. So that way, if I ever have a customer ask or another refinisher, or I just want to know what I use because I want to do it again, I have it all written down so I can refer back to my notebook. I hope you find this tip helpful. Have a great week, everyone.
0: Great tip, Heather. Thanks so much for sharing. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week.
5: Hey, guys, my name is Mary Bratti. I am the founder and owner of NYC Farmhouse Restorations based here in New York City. First off, I'd really like to thank Zebra so much for having me on here. It's such an honor. really is. So the current piece I'm working on is a uh, Kent Coffee Greenbrier MCM dresser that I scored on Marketplace for literally $100 when... I Googled the same dresser. Uh, it's selling for three to $4,000. So when I first saw the piece in person and I saw the branding on the inside of the drawer, I was like, oh my God. So I stopped everything I was doing. I pulled out my sander and, and got to work. First, I started with an 80 grit to just peel off all that dead old lacquer that was on there. And then I smoothed it out with a 400 grit. I then used a Swiffer, got all that dust off. I used um Minwax stain in a dark walnut, really like sparingly on a soft cloth just to, you know, bring out the wood grain and the wood color, not really leaving it on there and wiping it back off and staining it, like just hardly touching it. So then the inside of the drawers were really dried out they looked horrible. So I gave them a good cleaning. And then with another soft cloth, I went in with Daddy Van's Beeswax polish, which is amazing. And that brought it back to life. As of right now, it is drying, all that stain and everything. Um, when that is dry, I will be going and touching up some areas with General Finishes gel stain, just some things that didn't take. And then I'll be sealing it with Verathane Poly. I always use a water-based, and of course, with the zebra brushes. um, I'm waiting for my order to come right now with the new top coat brushes. Like, what a perfect piece to try them out on. This rare find that I had, even though it could be worth $4,000, I'm probably going to keep it forever in my living room. So you can follow me along with this transformation and a lot of others on my Instagram, which is at NYC Farmhouse Restorations. Thank you so much again for having me on this episode of Zebra Before and After. Happy holidays to all. Hi, I'm Connie from Faf Designs,
4: and this week I am working on a really old pine chest of drawers that was actually mine when I was younger and i'm going to be stripping the wax off and giving them a sort of old farmhouse chippy look with silk all-in-one mineral paint
6: hi my name is christina petrocelli and i am the furniture flipping artist behind mom's furniture nj Generally speaking, I find furniture to refinish and sell, Um, I save a percentage of each each piece um, because I am working uh, towards um, turning this into a nonprofit organization eventually, hopefully, um, which you can find out more about on a blog that I will be posting this week also recently over the last couple weeks I have been revamping my own bedroom. I have collected a few pieces for my bedroom and I am going to be painting and staining them all to match each other. Um, I just finished up a high boy dresser for my husband um, which he is very happy about so that's good (laughs) and this week I am working on a very long um, which originally was the bottom half of a hutch that I found on the side of the road but could not pass up because it is handmade and hand-carved and it is absolutely gorgeous. And I'm going to use it as the TV stand in my room. So already I have sanded down the top to bare wood because that's something that I love to do is take a part of the furniture and send it down to barewood and stain it that's one of my favorite things to do when refinishing furniture i'm going to be painting in chalk mountains number 53 chalk paint it is a beautiful color um you can see it on my instagram page at mom's furniture nj um I already did my husband's highboy dresser and posted the before and after pictures of that. And that's the same color I will be using for the piece that I'm working on this week. It is a beautiful color. I'm also going to be posting a YouTube video on my YouTube channel once it is all complete. So I just want to say thank you for having me on this podcast today. I feel honored to be asked. I love Zebra products. Their paintbrushes are amazing. I use them for just about everything that I paint. So thank you, everyone, and have a great day.
0: Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. The Zebra Review December contest is here and the theme is glitter and gloss. Pretty fitting for this time of year, isn't it? The deal is that we want to see some pieces with pizzazz. Wow, did I just date myself? That is still a word, right? Well, if you don't know what pizzazz means, basically the judges are looking for pieces that stand out in the crowd, that have energy, that have some glamour. There are multiple ways to do that by color, gloss, fancy, and glittery things, etc., it's really up for your interpretation of the theme, and then just make sure you use the hashtag The Zebra Review when you post it. It needs to be a piece you have created from December 1st through December 31st, 2021, and has to be posted by December 31st to qualify. So much happens at the end of each year. It always seems like as we enter late October into November, time picks up speed, literally. Well, with that understanding, we wanted to remind you that the 3rd Annual International Golden Brush Awards is coming up. Remember, there are a total of 10 categories that you can enter, at least one piece, and you can enter a piece that fits into a given category that you refinish from January 1st, 2021 through December 31st, 2021. We also have 7 well-known and highly respected refinishers on our judging panel. Ashley Krug with Blue Wren Interiors of Australia, Chloe Kempster with Macy's House of the UK, Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture of the US, Katie Kyle with Katie and Company of the US, Katie Scott with Salvage by K Scott of Canada, Lawrence Fatina with Portland Rose Studio of the US, and Sarah Bolt with Sitting Pretty Home Decor of the US. If you would like to check out last year's winners in the categories, simply go to enjoyzebra.com, click on the blog in the upper right hand corner, then go to Contest, and you'll see the 2020 Golden Brush Awards tab. Start looking through all of your pieces and decide which ones you'll enter. Stay tuned for more details to come. How many times have you picked up an old piece of furniture and wondered what the history was? If only these pieces could talk, right? Well some of you have been more inquisitive and taken the time to do some homework to find out more about a piece that you have refinished and its history. These are incredible stories that need to be shared. We have created a new segment on our podcast called If This Piece Could Talk. You will enjoy hearing from your fellow refinishers talk about the history of a piece, whether it's about the style and how it developed, or maybe it's a sweet story about a piece of furniture built and designed for a loved one. We'll also talk to experts who will give us some insight on how to go about learning the history of a piece. As a side note, if you know the story on your piece and you think it's a perfect fit for this segment, send me an email at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Stay tuned as we include these new segments in the upcoming podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blog's Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on our EnjoyZebra.com site along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing.